All right, well, good morning, everybody. Glad to see you here this morning. Merry Christmas. Glad that you're here. So I did say Merry Christmas. So today is a really special day because most of the world celebrates the birth of Christ today, whether they recognize it or not, or they celebrate Christmas for different reasons. Uh, Today is a special day for Christians because we get to celebrate the birth of Christ, not only today, but every day. And as Christians, um, we rejoice in the fact that Jesus was born. I got a book for a gift this morning from my uncle, and it said one of the handwritten notes he wrote in the front of it was, this season of the year has folks enjoying a birthday for someone that they don't even know and they may not even believe in. Yet people often hear the story of the shepherds rejoicing and how they found a baby in a manger, and for just a moment we have an opportunity to share the good news of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I can't, can't think of any better way to describe that, because just for a moment in our culture, we have the opportunity to share the joy of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about Jesus as a baby, but I don't want to just talk about Jesus as a baby and his birth. I want to share the whole story of Jesus. And I want to share the whole story through Scripture, and through songs, like Larry said, and we're going to mix the two together. And it's going to be a big task. And I have a stuffy nose, so I hope I can read all of this scripture today. So as I read scripture this morning, you'll find the verses that I'm reading from up on the board behind me. Um, Unless you are super lightning fast, I don't encourage you to follow along. We're going to be jumping all over the Gospels, and I'm going to be reading out of the Daily Bible, which is a harmonized version of all four of the Gospels together. So if you want to go back and watch it and catch all of the verses that we're going to be reading, they're going to be going on on the screen behind me. But before we read scripture, let's start in song. So let's stand for this first one this morning. If you've got a paperback book and you want to use it, it's uh, 1018. 1,018. Let's sing out. Joy to
Like I said, the entire focus of today is going to be to share the story of Jesus, because today might be the opportunity where somebody wants to hear the story of Jesus. And what a waste it would be if we didn't share that today. So I'm going to be reading the story of Jesus, and if you have been in your Bible at all, you might know that that is a very big task to do on a Sunday. The story of Jesus is an epic one, and it's full of miracles from beginning to end, healings, God's working, all of this happening. So I'm going to do somewhat of an abridged version, but what I'm going to do this morning is I want to read out of the Daily Bible, which is kind of like the one-year Bible, except it's a, a harmonized version. And so what that is, is it takes, especially through the story of Jesus, all four Gospels and puts them in order where they're happening and makes it one story together. So as I read, you might notice that I have scriptures from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John showing up behind me, and that's because all four accounts share this piece of the story. You might see where some of the accounts don't have a certain piece, but that's why the harmonized version is so cool. It fills in all of the gaps into one story. So it's a combined perspective. And so what I want to do today, like I said, is share the whole story of Jesus. And of course, to share the story of Jesus, we start before he's even born in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1 is where we're starting. God sent the angel of Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town called Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. How can this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm just a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month right now. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled in me. And then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she explained, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come visit me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill her promises to her. At this time, Mary continues to praise God for the mercy and the gift of carrying the baby Jesus. And we continue with the story. 
This is how the birth of the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to marry Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph was her husband, was because he was faithful to the law, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in, in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son. In those days, Caesar Augustus had issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census in a while. Uh, he was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to marry him, and they were expecting a child. While they were there, there came the time for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and singing and saying, Glory to God in the highest, heaven on earth and peace to those of whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, these shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see that this thing that has just happened, that the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and a baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all the things that they had heard and now seen that were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child... He was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was even conceived to Mary and to Joseph. 
after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born, the King of the Jews? We saw his star, and when it rose up, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard that he, this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem was disturbed with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where this Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found, them, and found out from them at the exact same time the star appeared. He said to them, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for this child. As soon as you find him, report back to me so that I too might go worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen rose up and went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where this child was. They saw the star and there they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream to not go back to Herod, they returned to the country by a different route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for this child and kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother in the night, and left for Egypt, where they stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream again in Egypt and said, Get up. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are now dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Achilles was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. And the child grew up and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was with him. This is probably the part of the story that you're most familiar with. The birth of Jesus. It's an exciting birth, isn't it? Most of us don't have this exciting of a, of, of a birth story where we're rushed off to another country for a census. There's no room in the inn, so we're laid in a manger, and then people come and visit us, but this is because this is the Messiah. The shepherds come and visit, the magi come and visit, and then at the end of the child's birth story, they flee to Egypt, right? They stay in Egypt until Herod is dead, and then eventually 
they get to Nazareth, where Jesus is going to grow up. I've asked Jordan to lead us some songs about the birth and beginnings of Jesus. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on one great day. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. And when they came to Bethlehem where our dear Savior lay, they found him in a manger where our sin feed on hay. His mother Mary, kneeling down unto the Lord, did pray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. From God our Heavenly Father, a blessed angel came, and unto certain shepherds, how that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Anybody else get a large print Bible for Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> Me too. What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap in sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthem sweet, while shepherds watch our keeping. Oh. 
but we we got through it. <laughs> oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay Yeah. 
Amen. Thank you, Jordan. There's been a few mentions this morning about, at least to me, about a certain few gifts that people have gotten. Maybe it was a large print Bible because you're getting older or whatever it might be. But as we focus on the birth of Jesus, there's no greater gift. There is no greater gift that could have ever been given to mankind than God sending his son. And he chose to do that through a virgin and a baby. And what an incredible way to do that. After the story of the birth of Jesus, and we see them fleeing to Egypt and then returning back to Nazareth, where Jesus is going to be raised up as a child, we don't see a lot more about Jesus for a little while. There's a few couple of stories in the New Testament that you'll find about Jesus's growing up. The one most people think of is uh, Jesus in the temple when he's kind of left there and his parents don't know where he, where he is. And his response is, well, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? But really, we don't have a lot of stories about Jesus until he becomes an adult. But we do know that he has grown in wisdom and stature, and he has grown up and been raised by his father, Joseph, and his mother, Mary. But where we really pick up in Scripture is in the beginnings of Matthew, Mark, in chapter 3 of Luke, where Jesus is baptized by his cousin John. You might remember John. He's the one that leaped in Elizabeth's womb when Mary and the baby came to visit. John has been serving in ministry, if you want to use that word, baptizing people and preaching of one who is greater to come, he would say in his own words, whose sandals I am not fit to fill. He's talking about Jesus. And we pick up in the story when Jesus comes from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized by John. He comes to his cousin John and John tries to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Why do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. So John consented. And as soon as Jesus went into the water and was brought up out of the water, at that very moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and landing or lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was at that about 30 years old when he began his ministry. So the very first thing we see about Jesus as a grown-up is he is baptized, and it's miraculous because God opens up the heavens and says, This is my Son, who I am well pleased. But right after Jesus is baptized, he gets to face the real world of ministry. The very next thing we see in Jesus' story is that he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. And in those 40 days, he is tempted by the devil. He comes out of the wilderness successful. He's not given in to Satan's trap. He hasn't given in to evil and sin, and he hasn't given in to temptation. But yet he was tempted in every way that you and I might be tempted. So over the next few years, Jesus spends time with people. Jesus spends time taking care of people's needs and seeking out the outcasts and healing people. 
He tells people of his kingdom that is coming, of the good news, the gospel message. And he begins to have followers that are following him and believers. And he chooses a few select of those followers to be apostles, kind of his right-hand man. They're, they're going to walk alongside him in his earthly ministry as he's healing people, telling people of God and telling them the good news of his kingdom to come. These apostles are going to be the ones that are going to start the church after Jesus is gone, continue the church that we know it to this very day. They're going to be the, the ones, the foundation of this. But needless to say, while Jesus is healing people and telling them the good news and gathering followers, there's some opposition. There's some opposition in his earthly ministry because he's sharing about his kingdom, but he's also sharing what God told Mary and Joseph, that he is Emmanuel. He is the Messiah. But that doesn't fit the expectations of the Jews doesn't fit the expectations of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so by nature, they have to oppose him because they don't agree with him. And so in this opposition, they're going to conspire a way to get rid of him. But despite that, despite the opposition, despite the conspiring, Jesus continues to serve people. He continues to heal people and come to them where they are. He continues to seek out the outcasts and share the good news of his kingdom to come. I've asked Riley if he would like to lead his songs about the good news of Jesus. You ready, Riley? Come up here, man. I know that Redeemer lives every prayer.
Have you seen Jesus, my Lord? Have you ever stood at the ocean with a white foam at your feet? Felt the endless thundering ocean? Then I say, You see, Jesus, my Lord. Have you seen?
the story of Jesus, all of those followers and believers and apostles, if they could have recognized it in the moment, would have been saying, I know my Redeemer lives. Have you seen Jesus, my Lord, sing and be happy? But unfortunately, not even all the believers could quite see the full picture yet. But especially those who were against Jesus couldn't see the picture. And I alluded to it before Riley started singing, but there are those that are against Jesus and he knows the plan and he knows what he's going to have to endure. It's a crucial part of the story of Jesus. So he tries to tell his followers and when we pick up with the story here in Matthew 26, Jesus had finished saying all these things, his teaching, and he said to the disciples, as you know, the Passover is in two days. It's two days away and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace and the high priest with the high priest whose name was Caiaphas. They schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during this Passover festival, they said, because there might be a riot among the people. So Satan entered Judas, called the Scariot. He was one of the 12 apostles. So Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he could 
betray Jesus and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver Jesus over to you? So they counted him out 30 pieces of silver and he consented and he watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. For his own reasons, Judas has decided to betray Jesus. And so he has come to bargain with the members of the council, and he's delighted, they're delighted with his unexpected assistance. So they agree to the amount of 30 pieces of silver, but it's not ever clear in Scripture if Judas fully realizes how serious the consequences of his betrayal are going to be. Some scripture indicates that he might not have anticipated that they were really going to crucify Jesus. But he took the money anyway, which was fitting because he was acting as the treasurer for the disciples. But despite these things happening in the background, Jesus keeps teaching every day at the temple. Each evening he would spend on the night, the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives, and nearly every evening, people would come in the early morning to hear him at the temple. Then came the day of unleavened bread during the Passover, the day which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to his house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room that I might eat Passover with my disciples? This man will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. So they left and they found things just as Jesus had said them. So they prepared the Passover in that upper room. When the hour came, Jesus and his disciples reclined at the table. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After he took the cup saying, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will never drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of the betrayer who is going to betray me is with me at this table. And they began to question among themselves which one of them it might be that would do this. Jesus says, I am not referring to all of you. I know those who, I'm who have been chosen, but this is to fulfill the passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who accepts, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, 
Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after another, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. But Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to the man, that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple who Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter mentioned to this disciple and and said, ask him which one he means. So leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And, And as soon as Jesus took the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. So Jesus told him, What you're about to do, do it quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had been in charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to go buy what was needed for the festival or to go give something to the poor. But as soon as Judas had taken that bread, he went out. It was night. Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus says. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I was going to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me to be with you, that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. After Jesus had finished speaking and praying, Jesus left with the disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. This garden, this place was called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to some of them. Stay here, keep watch. He withdrew about a stone's throw away behind them, and he knelt down and prayed. He prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not your will, not my will, but yours be done. An angel of heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from the prayer, he went back to the the disciples, and he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, gilding a detachment of soldiers and some officials and chief priests of the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Now the betrayer, Judas, had arranged a signal with them. He said, the one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. 
So Judas approached Jesus to kiss him. But Judas, Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Going at once to Jesus, he said, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked, Who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with him. And Jesus said, I am he. They drew back and fell to the ground. And again he asked him, Who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. I told you that I am he. If you're looking for me, then let the rest of these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken before would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and to the officers of the temple guard, to the elders and all that had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you've come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay your hands on me. But, in, if, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. So they bound him and brought him to Onias, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus said, I have spoken openly to the world, and I've always taught in the synagogues or in the temple where the Jews come together. I've said nothing in secret. Why question me? And those who heard me, surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer a high priest? He demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testifies to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Ananias sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. They seized him and they led him away, taking him into the house of the high priest. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they didn't find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not all agree. Then some stood up and gave false testimony against him, like, We heard him say, I will, build, or, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and three days will build another not made with hands. Yet even their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus, Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One, and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses? He asked. You've heard this blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as worthy of death. The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded, Prophesy, who is that who hit you? And they said many other insulting things to him. At daybreak, the council of the elders 
of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they met together and Jesus was before them. If you are the Messiah, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, if I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. They all asked, are you the Son of God? He replied, you say that I am. Then they said, why do we need any more testimony? We've heard it from his own lips. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders and the people made their plans to have Jesus executed. So they bound him and they led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. By now it was morning and to avoid ceremonial uncleanliness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he, were not, if he were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you, the people replied. And so they began to accuse him, saying, We've found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar, and he claims to be Messiah, a king. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by our own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death that he was going to die. Pilate then went back into the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? I am a Jew, Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Ah, you are a king then, Pilate said. Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king? In fact, the reason I was born to come into this world is to testify the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What truth? Pilate replied. With this, he went out again to all of the Jews who had gathered. There he said, I find no basis of charge against him. When he, when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. And then Pilate asked him, Do you hear the testimony they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even a single, not even to a single charge. This was great amazement to the governor. But they insisted, the people, he stirs up the people all over Judea of this teaching. He started in Galilee and now he's come all the way up here. On hearing this, Pilate asked the man if he was a Galilean. When he heard that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he said, Send him to Herod, who's also in Jerusalem at this time. Not my problem. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased. Because for a long time, he'd been waiting and wanting to see Jesus. For he had heard about him, and he'd hoped to see some sign or miracle performed by him. So he piled on with many questions to Jesus, but Jesus gave no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, 
vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and the soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had become enemy. They were enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers and the people, and he said to them, You brought me this man who is enticing the people to a rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and found no basis for charges against him. And neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. You see, he has done nothing, nothing to deserve death. So I will punish and I will release him. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner from the people who they requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in an uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Pilate asked, knowing that it was out of self-interest that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But those same chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. They shouted, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. But the whole crowd shouted, away with this man. Release Barabbas to us. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then? With Jesus, who is called Messiah, Pilate asked. They answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate wanted to release Jesus, so he appealed to them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he spoke to them, Why? What crime has this man committed? I found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore I, I have found to have him punished, and I will release him. But the loud shouts were vehemently demanded that he should be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. Crucify him, crucify him. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on. They twisted together a crown of thorns and placed it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and they knelt in front of him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! They said that and they spit on him. They took his staff and struck him on the head over and over. Once more Pilate came out to the Jews and said, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis of a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and the officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. For me, I find no basis of charge against him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but instead an uproar was starting to occur, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. This is your responsibility, 
The people answered, his blood is on us and our children. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who'd been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, Barabbas, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to them to do as they wished. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes back on him. They led him out to crucify him, carrying his own cross he went. A certain man from Cyrene named Simon was passing by on his way from the country. They forced him to carry the cross they brought for Jesus. They brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out there with him to be executed. When they came to the place of the skull, they crucified him there along with the other criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. Pilate had a notice prepared and placed on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Don't write the king of the Jews, but this man, but write that this man claimed he was the king of the Jews. But Pilate answered, I've written what I've written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven into one piece from top to bottom. Don't tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened, that scripture might be fulfilled, that said, they divided my clothes among them, and they cast lots for my garments. So that is what the soldiers did. Those who passed by hurled insults at Jesus, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it three days, why don't you save yourself? Come down. From the cross, if you're really the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders, they mocked him. He saved others, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and then we'll believe him. If he trusts in God, let God rescue him now if he wants him. He said, I am the Son of God. The soldiers also came up and mocked him in the same way. They offered him wine and vinegar and said, If you really are the king of the Jews, save yourself. From noon until about three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lamai, lam, sorry, Lama Sabatnai, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling to Elijah. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge and he filled it with wine vinegar, put it on his staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now let him be. 
leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. When Jesus had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And he called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. At that very moment, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. The earth shook. The rocks split and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of their tombs after, resur- after Jesus' resurrection and went to the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Whoa, surely he was the Son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, the mother of James, and of Joseph, and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him from Jerusalem were also there. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw this and what had took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, they stood at a distance watching all of these things. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath, because the Jewish leaders do not want bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken of the bodies so they could be taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then of the other. But when they came to Jesus, they found that he was already dead, and they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and of water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows he tells the truth, and he testifies to all that they may believe. These things happened so that Scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones would be broken. And another scripture that says, they will look on the one that they have pierced. It was preparation day, the day before Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, was him, he himself waiting for the kingdom of God. He went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that Jesus was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus was already dead, and when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he said yes and gave the body to Joseph. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had visited Jesus earlier that night, and they brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes and 75 pounds worth. They took Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices in strips of linen, as was the Jewish burial custom. They took the body wrapped in cloth and placed it in a new tomb that had just been cut out of the rock. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb, and they went away. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how the body was laid in it. They then went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath 
in accordance with the commandment. The next day, the day after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, this deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples, they might come and steal the body, and then this new deception will be worse than the last. All right, take a guard, Pilate said. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and they made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting a guard in front of it. That's the biggest section of Jesus' story we're going to read today. But he goes from being born into this earth to leading a ministry teaching and healing people to being crucified on a cross. But it was all God's plan. Jesus is telling the apostles this as it's happening, that this is God's plan, but nevertheless, it doesn't make it any less bitter, does it? Jesus is nailed to the cross between two thieves the entire time he is being mocked and spit upon and whipped. And they kill him. They pierce his side and outflows blood and water. I've asked Ben if he would lead us in some songs remembering the great sacrifice that Jesus made, how he was crucified on the cross. And after Ben's songs, we will take communion together. Night with heaven pinion
harmony of the Gospels of this man Jesus. And of course every Sunday and just like this morning we come to remember him, to honor him, and be reminded of how important Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is to our lives and to our future. And we do this in remembrance of him as we Take these emblems of bread and juice. And this morning I'd like to read a little bit that uh, Harold touched upon in several of the Gospels. But in the Gospel of when the Apostle Paul was visiting the church in Corinth, he recited these things that his own Savior, Jesus Christ, had said to him during that time. And in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 27 reads like this. For I received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, 
This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. What a great message for us all. Please bow. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great day, the day that you were born. Lord, be with us as we take your bread, this bread that represents your body. Be with our families. Be with our friends. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, we ask you to watch over us as we take this emblem. This represents the blood that was shed. It was cleanses us and makes us whole and gives us a hope of an everlasting life with you. We ask you to continue to protect us and have mercy on us. In Jesus' name, amen.
I told Ben that he had the hardest part of the story because he comes in with songs right after Jesus has been crucified and then placed in a tomb. But thank God the story's not over. So when we talk about the story of Jesus, it's great to talk about his birth. God sent his son. But it's equally important to talk about how he was crucified on the cross for our sins. But if that was the end of the story, the redemption wouldn't be there. But that's not the end of the story. He's in the tomb. There's guards there. A stone that is sealed. Matthew records in Matthew 28 that there was a violent earthquake and an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. This was Sunday morning. Going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and he sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. These guards that were there were so afraid that they shook and became like dead men. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go anoint Jesus' body. Very early on that first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who's going to roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But then they looked up and they saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. They were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, of Nazare the, the Nazarene, who was crucified. But he has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and tell Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman, women bowed down their faces to the ground. But the men said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners to be crucified? and on the third day to be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were too afraid. But Mary Magdalene came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outrun Peter. And he reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came up along behind him, and he went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, he also went inside. He saw and he believed. But they did still not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. The disciples went back to where they were staying. 
While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders, they devised a plan. They gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, here's what you're to say. His disciples, they came running up in the middle of the night, and they stole him while we were sleeping. If the report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble, a.k.a. you won't get killed. So the soldiers took the money, and they did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. When the women came back from the tomb, they told all of these things to the eleven and the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because these words, they seemed like nonsense. But while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do you have doubts in your mind? Look at my hands, look at my feet. It is I, myself. Touch me and see. A ghost? A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones, but I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, and they still did not believe because of joy and amazement. He asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He said to them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these are the signs that will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on, a, on the sick people and they will get well. He was talking about the apostles. Then he opened their minds so that he, they could understand the scripture. He told them, this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached about in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are the witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with the power from on high. 
When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the date that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from, hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up to the sky, and before their very eyes, a man in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking at the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven, he will come back in the very same way you have seen him go into heaven. And so they returned to Jerusalem. Thank goodness the story doesn't end at the birth of Christ as a baby. Thank goodness the story doesn't end at Jesus' death on the cross. But instead, Jesus rises from the grave, making it true that he wasn't just another criminal murdered on a cross, but rather that he was the Son of God. Not everybody believes that. One of the pieces I read here was how the story was fabricated to say, pay off some of the soldiers, say you fell asleep, they stole his body. That story is still circulated to this day. But for those of us who believe, we follow exactly what Jesus told the apostles. The apostles were the start of this revolution that many would call Christianity. They were to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we are as Christians, disciples of all nations. In case you didn't know, the United States of America is a far, far land from where Jesus walked. But yet here we are, disciples baptized into him. So today, we celebrate the story of Jesus. We celebrate because it's the time of year where most of our culture celebrates that Jesus was born. We celebrate that he was born. But we also celebrate that he walked this earth and told of his kingdom and healed people. We also celebrate that he was killed on a cross. But not only was he killed on a cross, he rose from the grave. We celebrate the story of Jesus. On Christmas Day, on Sundays, in prayers and Bible studies, as Christians, we celebrate the story of Jesus every minute of our lives. Because without the story of a baby being born and a man being hung on a cross and Jesus raising from the dead, our lives would be empty. Let's sing this last song. 300 in your book. Let's stand up for this one. After this, we'll have Larry do our closing prayer requests and announcements, and we'll be dismissed today. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Sing, O earth,
seated. That's the story of Jesus in scripture and in song, and we eagerly await his return. <laughs> 